Good to have you guys in the building with me today. You know, it's a, it's a, <laughs> most people don't realize that when I was doing all of our message that when we were off for six months last year and two months this year, that I'm the only one in the room. So if you don't preach yourself happy, nobody's getting happy because I'm the only one there. So I, I'm so excited to have you guys here in front of me this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your work that you take hold with us right now as we open the word that you inspired. I thank you that you lead us and guide us into all truth. You show us things to come. You bring things to our remembrance and you lead us in your paths of peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. I also want to welcome all you that are joining us via the internet. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Just jump right in with us. We're excited to have you with us. Now, that's one of the great things that you guys also don't see on the other end. You may be seeing it as a video coming across, but video can go everywhere. And so we've had people over the last few months watching from Nigeria and Kenya, Indo India, Indonesia. Um, even locally in Canada, we've been having uh, Montreal in Toronto, you know, people that, uh, that their churches may not be doing things online during this time so that they've been able to join with us. And so we just want to say thank you guys to you guys for your faithfulness because that's been able to allow us to reach people beyond just our region. And so we're glad that you guys have joined us today. Well, are you ready to continue in our series shift? Yeah. You know, this is week number eight and we're going to try and maybe tie up a little bow on it. But I figured because we're so far into it, we should probably do some review to get everybody back on the same page. And one of the things that when I was praying about what we should be doing for this year, 2021, I asked God, I said, if there was one word that you could give us that would guide us this year and that we should be mindful of, what would it be? And immediately, as soon as I said that, it was the word shift. And what a shift means to move from one place to another. And you know, it's just human nature. We get comfortable doing things the way that we've always done it and, and experiencing things the way that we've always done it. But you know that ever since Back in the garden, lifestyle has been shifting. How God has been doing things has shift, been shifting. We had what God, uh, God's original intention was for man when he created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, but we know that that quickly shifted during the fall of man. And then we had the shift that uh, there was the flood period. And then there was the Abrahamic covenant. And then there was the covenant of the law. But then there was Jesus, which was the shift to end all shifts. He is the, the anchor that never changes. He never moves. But the way that we as humans live our lives has been constantly changing ever since the beginning of our creation. Even in the last hundred years, things have changed so dramatically. And if you're trying to live your life as the way we did in 2021, it, it's going to be a little rough for you. And But we, the thing is, we do that spiritually sometimes. We get so settled down in what we've done and where we've been that we're not open for the new things that God is prepping our hearts for or trying to prep our hearts for. You know, that's what Isaiah said. He said, God speaking through him said, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'll send streams into the desert. And so God is wanting to flood you with resources and, and ability and strength, even where you are right now, but we need to learn to how to navigate the shift. 
And so the first shift we talk, talked about was shift number one. We have to become over-reliant on the grace of God and not our own ability. Because it's not based upon how good you are or what you've done. It's based upon the work of Jesus. He was as perfect as it needed to be. And he said, no one else will ever do it like I did it, so why don't I just make them one with me and to have them stop trying? And it almost seems like a, a bit of an oxymoron to say become over-reliant on the grace of God because you can never become over-reliant because the more you f- find the grace of God and search out the depths of it, you'll find that it's always deeper than you thought. Yeah. And we know that our ability has limits, right? There's only so much we can do and there's only so much that we know, but his ability never ends. And shift number two was that we need to shift what we worship and where we worship. And there should be, as, as the Bible says, there should have no other gods before me. And there's a, in life, there's a way that things just seem to creep up and, and, and become our priorities and have prominence over other things. But there should never be anything that is over and above our relationship with God. And this is based on John chapter 4 where Jesus said to the woman at the well that the time is coming and now is where they would worship, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And she said, well, we worship on this mountain and you Jews worship over here. And he said, none of that matters anymore. You worship wherever you are because wherever you are is wherever he is. And so we don't have to wait for a prayer meeting or a Bible study or a church service or to get with that spiritual person. We can worship and seek out God every moment of every day. It's about a, a union and a relationship with Him that is never ending, not on a moment-by-moment basis. Yeah. And shift number three is that we, a shift to prayer is a shift to power. And prayer is the, the, the main weapon that God has given us that most Christians just completely ignore because they feel that it's, it's, just, it's just beyond. I don't know how to pray. You know, Pastor Jordan, you know how to say these things and everything. Like, it's, it's not about what you say. It's about your heart. We pray from our heart. And just as much as we would talk to our family, our children, our parents, whatever, that's the same way we talk with our God. You can at any moment just say, hey, God, I need a little help right now. I need a little strength. I need a little wisdom. You know, what what should I be doing in here? And just as easy as you could talk to someone else, you can talk to God. And we said that if we look at the stories of Peter and Cornelius, that when they shifted their attention in prayer to God, they began to see clearly. And as they began to see clearly, they were given instructions. And as they followed out the instructions, they met with the power of God. And so if you feel like you don't have the power of God operating in your life, shift to prayer. Let everything else fade to the side and you'll get clarity. Shift number four is that we have to become proactive and not reactive. You know, most of us live our lives just going from bouncing pinball off of one situation to the next. Whatever happens, we have a reaction to it. But we don't have to be reactive to this life. Jesus said that he has overcome this world. And so that we can be of good cheer because of him. That we don't have to bounce off everything that comes. That we can proactively set our course and set the tone for our lives. That doesn't mean that things that we don't like are, are not still not going to happen, but how it affects us begins to change when we're not moved by that little pinball b- bounce. We begin to say, yeah, no, that, that may have not have been ideal, but I'm still going over. 
And so we can become proactive rather than being reactive. And the shift number five was that we need to acknowledge the unshiftable. You know, sometimes when we wake up in the morning, it feels like, you know, the world is just out of control. And, you know, this last year with this pandemic, that's kind of what it's felt like, right? You know, everything is just like crazy from one day to the next. But the things that don't shift is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word never changes. It's not void of power. It still accomplishes what it was commissioned to do. And so in order for us to remain stable while everything else shifts, we have to attach ourselves to that which is unshiftable, and that is God. You don't have to have up and down, up and down, up and down. He doesn't change from day to day. And so as we move on in this series this morning, I would love for you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. How y'all doing? And in Exodus chapter 2, we're going to look at the story of Moses this morning. And so we have to understand, just for context's sake, where, where, where the children of Israel are at in this story. If we think back 400 years before this, Israel was going through a famine. And so in order to provide for them, that God used Joseph and had Joseph lead his brothers down to Egypt where God would provide for them in that season. But what we then find out is that season never ended for them. It was only supposed to be for a time, but they decided to set up camp. And what God had meant for a blessing quickly turned into a burden. Because they went from being guests in the land to being slaves in the land. And so they've spent the last few generations in servitude to the Egyptian nation. And so things aren't good for them in this time. It's not looking great. They missed the shift. They should have gone back to the land that God had given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had Abraham look out and say, look as far as you can see this way and look as far as you can see that way. It's all yours. And now they've just spent 400 years nowhere near there. They missed the shift. What should have been a seven-year sojourn turned into a 430-year pit. And that's what happens when we miss the shift. And so here we're finding the end. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 with Moses, it says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brothers and he looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And so he looked this way and when he saw no one, he looked this way and he killed the Egyptian. Okay, let's just, <laughs> this is not a good idea. This is not God's way of deliverance, right? Moses is looking to make sure no one else is watching. Whatever you have to hide, you can already just go ahead and know it's not the right thing to do. And so he looks this way, and he looks that way, and he kills the Egyptian. And he hid him in the sand. And they had lots of sand, so he figured he was good. He figured he got all covered up. Verse 13, and when he went out the second day, so it didn't even make it a day. The next day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? And he said, who, they said to him, who has made you a prince and a judge 
over us? Okay, so we need to stop here for a second because this is a good question. They're asking, who are you to be judging us and telling us what we need to be doing? That's what Moses was born for. That was his calling. That was the gift that God had raised him up for. There was a call on his life to be a deliverer. And so we see the murder of the Egyptian was not a good thing, but it was actually Abraham or Moses acting reactive to a situation and trying to fulfill a call that he was feeling on the inside that he didn't know about. And so the call was alive on the inside of Moses even before he realized it. Moses' very name means drawn. And it comes from when he was a child, they they had said, let's kill all the, the, the Hebrew children. They're just multiplying too fast. And so in order to protect Moses as a baby, his mother put him in a basket and floated him down the river to where the uh, Pharaoh's daughter saw him and drew him out of the water. Now this is important because it's a picture type and a shadow of the calling on Moses' life that as he was drawn out of the waters to safety, Moses was to be the one that drawed the people of Israel out of Egypt into safety. And so here we see his very name and his purpose at work. God was wanting to draw his people out of Egypt and back into the promised land. So back in verse 14, he said to him, Who made you a prince and a judge to us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And so Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. In verse 15, it said, When Pharaoh heard of the matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So now we have Moses on the run. Moses' world is spinning out of control. And that often happens when we act reactive rather than proactive. Things get out of hand quickly. And things, consequences that you didn't intend to walk in begin to show up in your life when you reacted to things rather than proactively choosing your course. God doesn't want you just to be pushed around and moved by everything. He wants you to walk out your calling and the purpose that he has put on your life the gift he has given you so in verse 16 it says now the priest of Midian had seven get all my fingers right seven daughters and they came and they drew water and they filled the troughs to, to water the father's flock and the shepherds came and drove them away but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. This is a very important verse to understand. Why did Moses do that? Because even on the run and being out of place, the calling to be a deliverer, to be a rescuer, was still at work in his life. He was still wanting to get involved with people and help them. And so here in a situation in a land that he doesn't know, with people he's never met, the calling on the inside of him is still calling him to stand up and fight for others to be that deliverer so even when you're out of the place that God has called you to be in the gift never dies it says that the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable they don't pass away they don't change what he created you to be and what he created you to do it will always be in you even if you try and bury it God is still saying come back come back I've got a purpose I've got a plan for you so even on the run the call of Moses was still alive in 
him. And so in verse 18, it says, When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you've come home so soon today? Now, interesting. The name Ruel here, it means friend of God. So even while Moses was on the run, he encountered someone to secure and hold him up who was a friend of God. No matter where you run, no matter where you go, God will always be there to walk with you and hold you even if you're not where he wants you to be. Because how, what you've done doesn't change how he feels. And so out in the middle of nowhere, where he's not supposed to be, he runs into the friend of God. And they said to him, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. And so he said to his daughters, where, where is he? Why is it that you've left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. So it's kind of funny because, you know, I think he's thinking, hey, I got seven daughters. I need seven husbands. Maybe this guy just helped you. He can be one of them. And that's exactly what happened. In verse 21, it says, then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses. Now, you might look at that word there that says content to, to mean that Moses was happy here and that he was okay to stay here. But the word content here is the word willing. It doesn't say that Moses was happy here or that he was where he's supposed to be. It said that he was willing to be here. And what we need to know about this Hebrew word that is translated willing, it comes from the root word foolish. So though he was willing to be here, he was foolish to stay because it was not where he was called to be doing what he was supposed to be doing. And you may be willing to be where you are, but where you are might not fit where you're called to be. And it's more important to be where God has called you to be doing what you're doing. God has purposes and plans for you. He's got places for you to be to interact with people that only you can reach. He has jobs for you to be doing that are called out just for you, that it's your place of blessing, it's your place of fulfillment. When we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be doing it, that's where we find our fulfillment. Yes. We may be willing to be elsewhere, but God doesn't just want you willing. He wants you in his perfect will. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, it says, If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So Moses was willing, but he was not obedient because he was nowhere near where he was supposed to be. He was far away in the middle of a desert. You know, so when we're willing and obedient, we eat the good of the land. God wants you to eat the good of the land. But we often miss the next verse. We just skip it over because we like how verse 19 sounds. Verse 20 says, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. 
For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what he's saying is when you're outside of the will of God, things begin to unravel and spiral in ways that you didn't want them to. And just because you were willing, if you're not in God's place of protection, you may see loss and destruction in areas that he did not intend you to go through. He wants to walk with you through. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And so Moses was willing to be there, but in, in his willingness, he became a fool because it's not where God wanted him to be. And you got to choose what type of fool you want to be. Do you want to be a fool in your own eyes or a fool in the world's eyes? I would rather go off to, after God and have everyone else call me foolish, but I'd rather be perfectly in place where he called me to be. Next verse says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether of Paul or of Apollos or of Cephas, which is Peter, or of the world or of life or of death. So basically saying, in whatever category we're talking about, all things present and all things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. And I think that he cares more about you than you even care about yourself sometimes. And when he calls you to a place, it's because he knows you better than you know you. And he wants to bless you even more than you think you understand blessing. So let's back, go back to Exodus. And now we find ourselves in chapter 3. And so Moses has been in the land of Midian for about 40 years. Four, zero. That's a long time to be out of the will of God. That's a long time to be content and willing and foolish. But in all that time, God never forgot the call and the gift that was placed in Moses. And in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And so he, he looked, and uh, he behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now I love verse 3. It says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight. Why does the bush not burn? Now, it's kind of funny when you read it that way, but you have to understand who wrote the book of Exodus. It was Moses. So he's narrating his own thoughts here. So he's walking through the backside of the desert. He's just out there with his sheep, and all of a sudden he sees a bush. I could keep walking. Kind of bored. Just out here with the sheep. I think I'll take a look. You know, that's just how natural this thing was. You know, we often take the experiences with God and we hear the things that God has done for others and we think them so spectacular and supernatural, but God deals with us in such a natural way. Moses could have kept on walking, but he thought, no, I've got time. Moses has got nothing but time. He's a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And so in verse four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. Now, this is interesting. 
God didn't call to him while he was walking by. God waited to speak until he had his attention. And so many people are saying, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, but you haven't stopped and given him your attention. Make room for him. Make time for him. Make silence for him. And he'll begin to speak to your heart in ways you never thought possible. And so God called him from the midst of the burning bush and he said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. He says, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. I like this because here with Moses, 40 years outside of the will of God, doing nothing close to what he's supposed to be doing and he still finds the presence of God. Because no matter where you are, God knows where you are. And no matter what you're doing, God still cares for you. It says, moreover, he said to them, I am your God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, when we're outside the will of God, a lot of times that happens. We feel shame to come before God. God hasn't changed his opinion of you. But Moses' view of how God saw him had changed. And so his first reaction is, I'm going to hide from God. Don't hide your face from God. Go before him. And the Lord said, surely, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from the land to a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. This is a land in stark contrast to where Moses is right now. He's in a desert. He's been 40 years in a desert, and God is now planting the vision back inside of him. you got to realize that the land that he left in Egypt was the best land there was at that time. It was the most beautiful. It had the best education systems. It had the best knowledge. They had irrigation canals that had great vast fields. It's not the desert that we think of today. And so Moses had left a large land, a good land for the land of desert, the land of dirt and dust. And God is now painting a vision within him again of where he would rather have him be. He says, I'm taking them to a land, a large land. And and by, by connection, God's taking Moses there. To a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And says, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now. I like that. God wasn't saying, you can wait a few more years, Moses. He said, come now. And I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And here is Moses' response. You ready for this? Oh, it's just so insightful. It's such a great response. You know, he was saying, yes, Lord. No. You know, the only one who really had a good response in the Bible to the instruction of the Lord was Mary, the mother of Jesus, where she said, so be it unto your handmaiden. Just as you said, that's how it will be. It's what she meant. So Moses, he must have had a, he's such a great man of faith, right? He must have had a similar response. No. In verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? 
that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So not only has Moses been in the desert for 40 years, the desert's now inside of him. Because who is Moses? Moses didn't grow up with the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. He grew up in the palace with the top of the ruler. He had the best education that you could get. He had, grew up eating the best foods. He had the best tutors to teach him fighting, teach him law, teach him how to, how to lead, how to govern. If there was anybody in all the earth, out of all the children of Israel, who would be the most qualified to do the job, it was Moses. And God thought he was perfect for the job. And Moses thought he was the furthest thing from it. Don't let your own self-talk disqualify you from living in the fullness that God has called you to. Don't think low of yourself. Raise your thoughts and your standards up to God's thoughts of you. And so Moses says, who am I? And God's response is, I will certainly be with you. You know, he didn't even try to counteract Moses' thoughts here and say, well, Moses, do you not remember who you are? No, he just says, I will be with you. So Moses says, who am I? And God said, it's more important who I am. And so when you're thinking down upon yourself, stop thinking about you and start thinking more about him because it's in him you live and move and have your being. It's his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. It's his wisdom that's given to you. It says Jesus has been made wisdom unto us and that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And so we need to stop thinking about who I am and start thinking more about who he is because as John said in 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. So stop trying to qualify your life based upon how you view yourself and start looking more at God and you'll find your perfect self-picture. And so in verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when the children of, I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now think about that. What did we say shift number five was? That we need to acknowledge the unshiftable. God is saying, I am who I am because I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what God are we talking about? The only God I've ever been. Which God led your, your, your ancestors to this place? The only God that's ever was and ever will be. He's saying, I am who I am and I do not change. And thus you'll, you shall say to the children of Israel, the I am has sent me to you. And see, you have to think at that point, you know, it's all rosy from there on, but it isn't. And walking into the call of our lives will be work sometimes, but it's worth it. And God even not acknowledged how impossible it seemed. You know, God wasn't just like going to paint a picture for Moses like it will be so easy for you. God even says to Moses, it's going to be hard. He says in verse 19, and I'm sure the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. And when he says not even by a mighty hand, he's talking about Moses' hand. So he's viewing Moses as a mighty man. And he's saying the, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he's not going to just let them leave because of you. Right. Yeah. But what was shift number one? 
over-rely on the grace of God and not your own ability. So God acknowledges, Moses, they're not going to come out because of you. So verse 20, he says, so I will stretch out my hand. And I will strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst, its midst. And after that, he will let you go. He didn't just leave it at that. You're not just walking out. He says this in verse 21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go out, you're not going out empty-handed. So God wasn't even just interested in them leaving he was interested in them leaving full, blessed, and overflowing. It says in verse 22, But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So this is the picture that God is painting for Moses. Can you imagine this going to your neighbor, knocking on the door and saying, Hey, give me your gold, your silver, and all your best clothes. I'm taking them. And them being like, hold on a second. Let me go get it. And so God is saying that when he works, he works in such a way that things happen that you never even thought possible. But that's because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. And what the place that he's calling you to is not based upon your ability. It's not based upon what you can make happen. Make room for the supernatural in your life. But in order for that to happen, shift number six has to happen. Are you ready for this? You ready for number six? Selectively edit your past and only include what God has said. What had to happen for Moses to go from hanging out for 40 years in the back of the desert in order to be the deliverer for the people once again? What had to happen? He had to forget about the murdered Egyptian. He had to forget about the rejection of his own people. He had to forget of his fear uh, that the Pharaoh wanted to kill him when he left. He had to separate himself from those past experiences. He had to let go of all that fear and all that insecurity and all that unworthiness. He had to let go of the who am I's and look at the who is God. And a lot of times we have to do the same thing. There may be things in our past that make you feel unworthy to move forward into his best. Go ahead and cut them off. Go ahead and selectively edit them out. When you look back at the picture of your life, you go like, no, that's not what God said. I am above and and, uh, all the time. I'm the head and not the tail. I thank you, God, that I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. So when I feel anything else, I'm just going to go ahead and strike that out with the marker. I'm going to go ahead and hit delete on that video that plays in my mind over and over again. That is not who I am. I am who God says I am. I can do what he says he can do. What the word of God says speaks of me I go ahead and I count that as true and everything that stands against it I just go ahead and strike it off my list because there's a call that's on the inside of you there's a purpose that God has created for you it's something that only you can do because he's not the God of the masses he's the God of the individuals he loves you each in your own specific way he knows exactly the gift that's on the inside of you and our job is to stop trying to fulfill it in our own way and just say here I am God let's go with it 
And so we have to let go of the past because you can't go to a great future when you're still shackled to a crap past. So you have to decide, do I want to live there forever? Because Moses was content. He was content to live in that desert. And in order to get out of the desert, you need to get a little discontent. And God didn't make him hate where he was. He made him love where he was going. He told him about a large land, a land filled with milk and honey. God doesn't have to tear down the past. He can rewrite it, build upon it, and take you forward. Maybe you've been watching this morning and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know, that's the first place to start. That's the first way to get out of that past is to bring yourself into the kingdom of God. And we here at Word Church would love to pray with you right now as you step into the kingdom. Guys, you ready to pray with them? Say, Father, right now I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life. I let him wipe out that past. I call him my Savior and I move forward with him. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, we would love for you to get in contact with us, get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in our area, we say welcome home. We would love to walk this journey together with you. But guys, there's a shift going on in our world right now. And most people are looking at it as all the things they've lost, all the things that have changed, all the things that have gone wrong. But when there is destruction, when there is uncertainty, when there's insecurity, there is also opportunity. And so as things change, I want to see you guys at the forefront of change. I want to see you seizing opportunities moving into new blessings, moving into new areas that you wouldn't even thought that you could do a year ago. As we begin to shift as a church, I believe that there's also personal shift that is to go on on the inside of us and in our lives. 2021 can be your yes, best year yet. And that can be just as true as 2022 and 2023 because as you walk, God will continue to shift you. But you have to be open and willing to move with his shift. So Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We receive your word with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just want to say thank you to you guys. You know, you guys have been so faithful in your giving and all that you do. We thank you for partnering together with us and, uh, and working with us in the commission that God has called us to at Word Church. We do this all together. It's not just about us. It's not just about one person. It's about us together. And so we want to say thank you to you for your faithfulness. If you would like to give this morning, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give, or there's the basket at the back. But whatever you choose to do, we say thank you, and we look forward to a great time moving forward together. You guys are blessed. Have a wonderful week. Have some good conversations.